We're on our <clears throat> sixth part, I believe, sixth session, considering words of encouragement or fear not, why we should not be fearful, why we should not be afraid. And thus far we've covered around 15 points and we start on the 16th one today, why we shouldn't be afraid. And I remind you of an illustration I used way back when we started this on the first session. The bit of bread I put outside the sliding doors of the study and the birds come and eat it and they were being chased away by the magpies. They were very fearful and afraid of the magpies, all the other birds. But there was a little mouse I saw come dashing out. He hit the bread running and just sort of run past it. I don't know if he got a mouthful or not, and then scooted back under the cover of the firewood. And then he'd dash out again, and he'd hit himself against a 20-litre um, <clears throat> container I had there and, and hide for a second, then dash out to the bread. And I, again, I don't know if he got any. There's, very, there's only once he stopped and ate the bread and I chewed on it for a while, but <clears throat> he was fearful. And I'd say all his life he's living like that. He's afraid of being taken and caught. If he's not afraid of them, he should be afraid of the rat sack <laughs> that I have laid around in different places, the mice sack, you might say. But <clears throat> we don't have to live like that as Christians, ducking and weaving and looking up and looking around and eyes peeled, ready for the next thing that's coming our way. And as it's this year's, as someone has said, next year, that's going to come real soon, they said, well, what's next year going to hold? And some said, with the floods that are happening and all the rain that we're having, oh, well, it looks like it's going to be another one of those years, as bad or worse than last year already, they're saying that. But praise God <laughs> for the Christian we have the word of God guides us on the way. And here the first point, the 16th point of this study, God leads us by his spirit. Therefore, we need not be afraid. And uh, that we read in Galatians, we'll go back there in a moment. But in the book of Romans, chapter 8 and verse 14, we read this. For as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we, we cry, Abba, Father. So we are led by the Holy Spirit through the word of God, the promptings of the Lord in our mind and heart as we consider what choices to make, what we should do, what, what we should do in anything in our lives. Um, <clears throat> we are the children sons of God. We've not received the bondage again to fear. We, we've been liberated by the life we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and we don't fear as it says in that verse. We haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear and all of these verses or at least one in each point has the word fear or afraid in it and here it is in verse 15. <clears throat> We've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We're not fearful and afraid because our, our lives are in his hands. 
because we has, as it says there, received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, we know that this body will be given or changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye or at after death, where at the resurrection we'll have an incorruptible body. And so there the adoption will be complete on that day. <laughs> and we don't have to fear what happens to this mortal body. I know we live to protect it, we provide for it, we look after it, we, don't, we whinge and complain when things don't go right with it, we're just given to that it seems, but let's not have the circumstances overcome us. As, it, as you read Hebrews chapter 11 and the last half particularly where it doesn't give a lot of description but names a lot of people and how they overcome and they wandered about in sheepskins and lived in caves they had the faith, they had the foresight to know that this life is only passing and eternity will roll on and the great blessing of being a Christian will be then realised. And in verse 16 of Romans 8, we read, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. So God's Holy Spirit with our spirit. And if you go over to verse 26, that's the outworking of it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity, for we not know not what we should pray for as we ought. <clears throat> but the Spirit he itself maketh intercession for us according, or with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so he bears witness with our spirits, and he knows what's in our spirit. He knows the groanings of our spirit. He knows the fears of our heart. And um, he bears witness with us. Uh, a witness that the God, God's word is true, witness that God is, and that this wonderful life we have in Christ is only going to get better and be wonderful for eternity. That we are the children of God. If we haven't got the Spirit, He doesn't bear witness, He can't bear witness because He's not in us. But He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We can know that we're saved <laughs> examine yourself whether you be in the faith make sure that you are and you have the witness of the spirit when when you're about or I'm about to go and do something that's not right does the spirit of God say no <laughs> and clearly indicates his presence in our life when making decisions and, and we looked at it last week about knowing the will of God does he say no that's not the way to go does he Put roadblocks in your way to say, no, don't go there, as he did with the donkey in Balaam. But yes, we have the witness of the Spirit. And testifying that we are his children, and if children, heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. If you go back earlier in the chapter, in chapter 8 of Romans, in verse 9, but ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit we walk in the spirit we we aren't controlled by the feelings of the flesh and so many people are and i'm sorry to say but even christians are, get all emotional and all uptight and upset and they're, they're living in the flesh it's fleshly living we can have confidence in the lord you're not in the flesh if you're a Christian, you're in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his, it says. 
And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies one day on the resurrection by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And we read in verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if ye live after the flesh... Ye shall die, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And so often we live as Corinthians talks about as carnal Christians, living after the flesh, living on our emotions, not on the truth of God's word. Our foundation is very shaky when we do that. And and when you live as that way as a as a Christian <laughs> you doubt your salvation because you're living after the flesh and of course you'll doubt your salvation if you're saved because you know in your life and heart that it's not according to the word, it's not according to the Spirit's direction. So God leads us by his Spirit. That's why we don't have to be fearful and afraid. First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, For by one Spirit... Were we all, Christians, all, <laughs> baptized into one body, the church, his body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Yep, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and, the, and the portion that we read in our reading this morning about the Spirit of God in the book of Galatians there. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice when the Lord talks about the Spirit indwelling us and filling us as we obey his word, it also contrasts that the, 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 the word flesh is there all, also. And it says there, walk in the Spirit, and if you're walking in the Spirit in obedience to the word that you know, so important, you know, <laughs> If you don't obey the word, you're not walking in the spirit. You're walking in the flesh. And it says you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh if you're walking in the spirit. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. It seems that some Christians are given over to living by the flesh and the dictates and the demands of what the old body wants to do. Instead of disciplining themselves and being obedient to the word, so many today, the church is in decline, rapidly in decline, because people are living, Christians are living in the flesh. And they're a bad testimony to the world around them. These are contrary, the one to the other, living in the spirit and living in the flesh. The life of the spirit of obedience to the word and the life of the flesh, obedience to one's own fleshly carnal desire. So they cannot do the things that you would. That sounds like Romans chapter 7, doesn't it? When I would do good, evil is present with me. When I would walk in the Spirit, evil is present with me. But if I'm walking in... That is, if, I'm, if I want to do what's right, it seems the old flesh kicks up a stink. Doesn't want to do it. But it says you cannot do the things that you would in the flesh if you're walking in the Spirit. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. You say, oh, look, you don't have to live under the truth of God's word, under the law. No, 
We are set at liberty. You know, people talk about soul liberty today. Liberty as for a Christian is not the license to sin. Liberty that we have in Christ Jesus, being set free by the, the Lord Jesus when we receive salvation, is liberty from the consequences of our sin eternally. Liberty to serve the Lord Jesus Christ that we didn't have before. It's not liberty to do as you please. The, the, this is contrary to truth. You're led by the Spirit. You're not under the law. You're not under the law of the flesh. Not governed by and dictated to by the old carnal nature. But if, but in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is these things. And if you haven't got these things, there is no fruit of the Spirit. Then ask yourself the question, am I indwelt by the Spirit of God? See, God leads us by His Spirit. We can have the peace and knowledge of that. But if we don't have that direction in our lives and we don't have the fruits of the Spirit, are we saved? But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Agape love, sacrificial love, doing things for the Lord for other people, whereas you could be doing things for yourself and the flesh. Joy, peace, even in troublesome times, long-suffering, How long can you suffer others and maybe their attitudes? Gentleness, goodness, faith, faith in the word, meekness. That's power under control like Moses. He could have done a lot of things with that rod, but he didn't. And when he did do it wrong, he got into trouble and couldn't go into the promised land. Meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified, here it is, the flesh. Death to the flesh. In Romans 7, Romans 6, Romans 8. Read about this life, this victorious life that we can have. Yes. Have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let us walk. In the spirit, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. The only time that we're said to provoke rightly one another is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, where we're to provoke one another to love and to good works by setting example to others to do those those things. So we can have confidence and not be fearful and afraid. Because we're led led by his spirit, as the Lord Jesus said. He, uh, he, it is the spirit, in chapter 6 of John and verse 63, it is a spirit that quickeneth, the flesh, here it is, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Are you living a victorious Christian life in the Spirit, completely confident by the living word that the Spirit uses in your life to bring about the fruits of the Spirit, the Christian life for real. The next point we consider, why we shouldn't be afraid, is because God gives boldness to preach and proclaim the truth. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 14 to 18, we read this. 
Well, verse 13, we start, so the, that my bonds, Paul, in prison, in Christ, are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defence of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, in that I do rejoice, yea, yea, and will rejoice. God gives boldness to preach and proclaim, and I think that's going to become more evident in the lives of people. This, these verses will have to be lived out as laws are passed by governments in this country and around the world that forbid people to talk to others about the Lord and preach the truth. And Paul been thrown in jail many times because he preached the truth. But other people saw this and were confident, they waxed confident and bold to preach the truth. And they also considered not that they might be cast into prison and into bonds. So upon Paul being in prison, others became bold to preach the word of God. Somebody else had to do it. If Paul wasn't there doing it, God locked him up so he could pen the prison epistles and maybe consider some of the others that he was going to write and letters. He had time then, instead of going around as an itinerant preacher and evangelist and church planter, he was locked up in jail and so he spent his time wisely writing. And we have those books, part of the New Testament. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, we read there, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, that perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marvelled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So these religious leaders knew about the Lord Jesus. They're the ones that had crucified him and his boldness to preach and proclaim the truth among them. And he cut them to the heart sometimes with what he said. They come to him with questions and, and try to trick him and, with an evil heart, intending to make a fool of him and they never could they sent one after the other coming against the Lord and he boldly proclaimed the truth because he was the truth <laughs> and he could say things that they couldn't and, and men marvelled and, and people onlookers wow where did this man get his knowledge from he's not one that had learnt by the rabbis or by our teachers He's learnt somewhere else and he's able to put these people in their place. And, and, and people gathered around that didn't like the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes and, and these religious leaders. Well, yes, yes, he put them in their place. They didn't have the understanding to be able to, but the Lord Jesus boldly put these people in their place. And they were saying, keep doing it, keep doing it. <laughs> Others sided with the Pharisees and were really indignant and upset that Jesus had said such things to such rulers. Uh, remember when the Lord Jesus was taken captive and he said things and he said, I, and, you know, he said something about the high priest and he, did, he said he didn't know that this fellow was the high priest. There was, otherwise he would have respected him. 
have we that boldness that the Lord has? Have we that boldness that those in that uh, uh, saw Paul imprisoned had to teach and preach the truth? Or do we even melt away when God gives us an opportunity to talk to an individual about the Lord Jesus? We, oh, we're all afraid. Or, he'll think I'm a fool. He'll think I'm a religious fanatic. He, he, or they, they won't believe me. She won't listen to me. And my family will be offended. Uh, there's a lot of offended families out there who are non-Christians because you've spoken the truth, but we need to speak the truth. What an opportunity. It, it, it's Christmas this week. <clears throat> what an opportunity to send a, the message via a card, via a, whatever you use. I don't use all this social media stuff, but you can, you can send a message there. Don't be afraid to share it. If we stop speaking, nobody's going to hear and people are not going to get saved. I've just read an article about 12 pages long on Calvinism is creeping, creeping Calvinism. I didn't say creepy, but I think that would be appropriate too, but creeping Calvinism, taking over churches everywhere. And the thing that is noted when it comes into a church is the deadness of the church. They don't get, they're not evangelistic, they don't want to talk, it gives them a reason. And I thought this was only a, a 15 year old when I heard about Calvinism, never heard about it. I thought the logic of that is that if God's going to save them, they'll get saved, so I don't have to do anything. I can sit back and do nothing because God's going to save them whether I talk to them or not. And that deadness creeps in and over a church that begins to believe and take on board this Calvinism stuff that's doctrine that's creeping around. A Calvin, he's man, he was a man. And you need to read the history of him as well. And he was only a young man when he put these things together. And he, <clears throat> and he consented to people's death of people like us who didn't agree with what he taught. I start wondering about person's salvation when they can do that to another human being, let alone another Christian that earnestly speaks the truth. Oh, they'll tar me with a brush when I speak about him like that. He's their God, as it were. And there's a deadness creeping in, and we need to be bold in proclaiming the truth. Preach and proclaim the truth. <clears throat> Ezekiel. We've used this one before, Ezekiel chapter 2 and verses 3 to 6. You see, in that day of compromise, in that day when Israel was being taken captive and Judah was, and Benjamin were about to be taken, and Ezekiel was a captive, people were scared to speak. People had zipped their mouth, even if they knew the truth in their heart. And God told Ezekiel not to do that. He lived in a day worse than our day in Israel's history. In chapter 2 we read in verse 3, And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation. We are sent to a rebellious world. God willing through the circumstances and things that God is allowing to come into the world, that nations will start waking up and listening and stop rebelling against God. But it seems not, because even when they know 
that God is bringing these tragedies upon the world in the book of Revelation, they go to the caves and say, Hide us from the face of the Lamb and from his wrath. He that sits on the throne, instead of acknowledging him and repenting, they do that. They're a rebellious nation. Israel was a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day, for they are an impudent children and stiff-hearted. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, whether they will hear or whether they will refuse to hear and not listen, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall they know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them. Be not afraid. There's the word, fearful, afraid. Neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among the scorpions. Be not afraid. Three times in verse 6, the word afraid is used. Don't be afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. We're no worse off than Ezekiel. We still have liberty in this state to speak of this. They're trying and have in other states passed laws not against conversion therapy and it's aimed at a particular group. But <clears throat> I say it'll eventually be for anyone if you try to convert anyone, as in atheistic communistic countries or Islamic countries. If you try to convert them, you're in big trouble. The threat of death is real around the world against people who will dare to speak against the impudent, rebellious, hard-hearted, atheistic, religious people of this world. And if you go to the book of Revelation and see chapter 17 of Revelation and the whore that rideth the governments of the world, that rideth the beast, and the whore is pictured as the Catholic Church in power one day, even over the kings of the world. Oh, don't dare speak against the Catholic Church. I know of independent Baptist churches that won't let the preachers speak against it. Let's be real. It's got the blood of the martyrs of Jesus on its hands. History proves it. They can rewrite the history. It doesn't change the history. For a thousand years, through the Dark Ages, the Church of Rome ruled. Anyone that rose up and spoke against it, well, they were the martyrs that we read in Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read the horrific things that the church did to people who wouldn't be subject to it. Has it changed? No, because according to Revelation, it will be doing the same thing. There will be beheadings, there will be death and martyrdom on a massive scale for those who dare to proclaim the truth. What do they do with the 144,000 Jews sealed? What do they do to the two witnesses or try to do to the two witnesses? They try to kill them. They try to silence them. They try to stop the message of God, of these messengers, bold messages, going out. 
God gives us boldness and give us boldness to preach and proclaim. And what do they do to those? By the middle of the tribulation, it seems that they've killed all the 144,000 and they've killed the two witnesses. But they can't kill the angel that flies through the midst of heaven giving the everlasting gospel. They can't capture him and murder him. They would like to in that day. Folks, let's not be fearful. The, The trouble is we're letting the liberties we have slip from our hands The church has stopped proclaiming the truth. People are not being saved. People are not speaking up. Even unsaved people are speaking up on behalf of the church. Only one one channel, it seems, and they're, they're speaking up and saying, this is not right. How can they do this? Taking away our liberties. Well, God give us boldness to preach and proclaim the truth. And not to be like the mouse ever looking around in case the bird or whatever is going to come down and devour him. Words of encouragement. Why we should not be fearful. <laughs> yep, we shouldn't be fearful as we've, as we've seen here already because God leads us by his spirit. Because God gives us boldness to preach and proclaim the truth of his wonderful word. It's also in... God also said to Jeremiah, who was going to the ones back in Jerusalem, well, not going to them, he would live there. And uh, Babylon had come down, come down three times, and Jeremiah decided he would best stay there and testify to them. And he was told, like Ezekiel was told, don't fear their faces in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8 and 17. Thirdly, this this evening God has given us the spirit of power to keep doing what God wants us to do to keep proclaiming the truth in Timothy 2nd Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6 to 8 we read this 2nd Timothy 1 6 wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up and Paul talking to young Timothy or younger Timothy that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. (laughs) You see, Christians, a person when they become a Christian is established, strengthened and settled, according to Peter in his epistle. And therefore we have the this power that God gives us by his spirit, we haven't got the spirit of fear. Notice that in verse 7, but of power and love and of a sound mind. The world is crazy, as we say. It's, it's getting worse. The, the things they're doing, and I don't know if you've noticed, people that just do some crazy things. They're not thinking. But the Christian shouldn't do those things at all, shouldn't even think about them, but can see there's a problem they have out there. The only answer to their problem and the solution is Jesus Christ. It's He's for the world. But we haven't got the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You hear the unsaved people, you hear 
their lack of wisdom, their lack of soundness, their lack of uh, ability to reason through things because they don't have the truth of God's word. And you feel for them. Even conservative, unsaved people, you, they, you say, yes, you're barking up the right tree, but you haven't got the complete answer. The answer is found in the Lord Jesus and having a sound mind because you're a Christian. It worries me for those that call themselves Christians that are not established, strengthened and settled. They're all over the place. They're not got a sound mind. They're not sound in their doctrine. They're chopping and changing. And it doesn't give confidence to those people that are looking on and to our children even and to our grandchildren. Be and unsaved people that you've testified to. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. This really carries on from our last point, but it's the spirit of power that we have as Christians. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Again, Paul, a prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. In the afflictions, we have the power of God that helps us to overcome. You know, it's been said, and I believe it to be true, it's easier to die for the Lord Jesus Christ than to live for him. Hmm. Blessed are they that have died in the Lord. They don't have to face the continual problems of the world, the continual things of fear and and for, for the things that are coming into the world, they've gone. They're at peace. <laughs> Their bodies resting. <laughs> Their soul and spirit is with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. But we are partakers who are still living of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You see, people do not like being told they're sinners. When we put the coronavirus tract out about the middle of this this year, still to 2020, and the other one earlier about the coming global holocaust, people got really upset. But the, the corona track, it's not, I believe, offensive. It's just telling people they're sinners, but they don't like being told they're sinners. And some people really didn't like it, so much so that they... He phoned up and did a tirade of abuse against us because we put our phone number in there. <laughs> the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Put up with these things that come. Don't worry, the Lord knows. And and has been said, I read an article of a person who puts lots of tracks out this week. The tracks go on long after they've been put out. They might be put in a cupboard. They might be slipped into a purse. They might be put aside. I'll read it later. And they can be picked up one, two, ten, twelve years later. And if the Lord comes and we're taken, they will still be here. Uh, don't worry about the afflictions of the gospel. Face them with the power of the Lord. As Paul told Timothy in Acts chapter, I mean, in that reference we in Second Timothy, but in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, <clears throat> there the Lord said to the disciples just before he ascended from the Mount of Olives to heaven, the last word 
to the disciples, to the church. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost, we looked at him to start with, is come upon you at Pentecost. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea. Dangerous place to testify at that time. <clears throat> and in Samaria. Another dangerous place to go for having been there, you're labelled. And to the uttermost parts of the world. God will give us power. God has given us the spirit of power to testify for him. And that's, that's why we don't have to be afraid. He will take the word and his testimony, thousands of testimonies from years of church history where people have done mighty deeds, wonderful things for God by the power of the Lord. In Acts 4.33, And with great power gave the apostles witness, and great grace was upon them all. This is when the church was on fire just after Pentecost. Thousands were being saved. The presence, of the, Spirit, the presence of the Spirit was evident to people around them. They thought they were drunk, but no, they were filled with the Spirit. These are not drunk, as ye suppose. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 speaks of this powerful presence of God in our lives. And in, in verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. You know, it is a mighty, powerful thing when a person gets saved through a testimony of a Christian. That's God working. I don't know if you've been there when a person is convicted about their salvation and, and desires to become a Christian. And you just, you, you can't make them, I can't make them become a Christian. You can just show them by the word of God, you know. What is it, Paul watered uh, uh, Apollos or planted or whatever it was and, and God gave the increase through his mighty power <clears throat> the power of saving a soul is a mighty power power in the blood we sing power in the blood um, <clears throat> chapter 3 and verse 7 of the book of Ephesians says this of which I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power Ministers, preachers are preaching by the power of God and by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God that backs it all up and gives us that ability to minister the Word of God. In verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 3, we read this And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in, in the church of God by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. As it says, Amen. <laughs> I don't know. I pray that you have had the privilege of talking to a person. And uh, you might be fearful to start with in the Lord gives you the verses to say just at the right time, to give the answers to any man that asks us a reason for the hope that is in us. Praise God that he's there present with us. A lot of opportunities have been had when I've been out working with for, for men, for 
and they're out there in their own on their own turf <clears throat> and you get to speak to them about the gospel and they respond they talk and and verses come to mind and and illustrations come to mind to give them <coughs> that they might be saved praise god for the power god has given us the spirit of power <clears throat> wonderful it is to know that and to live in his presence god is our protector also in all of these situations Hebrews 13 verse 6 reads so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper I will not fear what man shall do unto me God is my helper as we've just been looking at he gives us the power but he's also our protector in these in times and situations and good old David could say that over and over again that God protected him We read in Psalm 36 and verse 7. Psalm 36 verse 7, a servant of David speaking. David the servant speaking. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. As a bird protects its young, as a chick protects its chickens, we are protected by the Lord. He is the one that protects us, gives us, comes us and brings us under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. I like Psalms, Psalm 57, again a psalm of David and verse 1 that says, <clears throat> and David knew this by practical experience, it says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. Until these calamities be overpassed. <laughs> Until they be gone. Put your trust in the Lord. Come under the protecting wings of God. As David said, I'm glad in the shadow of thy wings to put my trust and thou wilt be my refuge. Till the calamities be passed. Till life be finished. And Paul had calamities many more than any of us have ever had. He had to seek the Lord's wisdom to be able to overcome in the times of calamities. There's that song we sing, Under His Wings I'm Safely Abiding. Hymn number 269. Sing it to yourself. Look it up and find it there. Love is our propellant. And trying to finish this series today... Why we should not be fearful? Because love is our, our propellant. You know, we use those pressure packs, and it's got a propellant in there to push it out and forward to get the bug. <clears throat> well, our propellant is love, to get rid of fear. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, it speaks about this love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. It propels fear. Because we know that God loves us, when we know that we're kept in his love, kept in his hand, and what shall separate us from that, and because we know the love of God toward us and that he has, and he's shown it in providing salvation and in our salvation and in daily provisions, 
we can be completely confident and we can expel the fear that we have. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath punishment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Fear To live fearfully is to live in a tormented way. Remember the mouse? Constantly in fear. He must be living on adrenaline, looking at what's going to get him next. In fact, you look at the animal kingdom, and it wasn't like this before Adam and Eve fell, <clears throat> but fear came upon them. Even the fear of man toward them, and the animals are much bigger than us, fear us, not all of them. But they all are living in fear. You know, you, you, talk, you talk about the, the apex predator, you know, T-Rex back in the old times, <clears throat> in Job's time. Yeah, man was on earth when they were alive. Read the book of Job, 38, 39. Uh, <clears throat> there, but the apex predator. He's the guy that can just lay down in the grass, in the turf, and not be fearful of other things, other, other animals, because he's on, the, he's on the top of it all. <laughs> but all the other animals are watching out for who's going to come to get them, get them next. You know those little meerkats in the in the zoo. We saw we went to two zoos while we were away, Canberra Zoo and Australian Zoo. And they've all got the meerkats, and the little fellow standing upright on the highest point, constantly looking around, jerking his head, looking, looking, looking. He's looking up for birds and animals, <clears throat> and he sounds the alarm if anything that's dangerous or even anything that moves comes around. And all of them dart for their burrows and hide under the, under the rocks and in their, in their holes because they're fearful, all the time fearful. Christians, we shouldn't be fearful, fearful of the things that are coming. We shouldn't be fearful of what's coming down, what governments are doing, what non-Christians are doing, what family who are unsaved are going to do and say. Let's not be fearful of them. Let's not live like they live. I saw a bird just yesterday. <clears throat> It was a blackbird, and it was coming toward the bread, and then it would look around and it'd back off. And then it would come, grab it and back off. And I thought, well, what's it scared about? It's living in fear. Some are less fearful than others. But we don't need to live that way. Perfect love, the love of God in our hearts, casteth out fear. Love is our propellant <laughs> to get rid of fear. Lastly, <clears throat> We don't have to live in fear and be afraid because God is permanent and he's provident. He is not advocated. He is still on his throne. The Lord Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. The Trinity, the Father, Son and the Spirit are permanent and God will never die. God will never be overcome. God is all in all. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 17, after the Apostle John, or Apostle John was just about to get the book of Revelation revealed to him, <clears throat> he'd missed the Lord for the decades since the Lord had ascended in Acts chapter 1 off the Mount of Olives, the last time he saw him. And here he is, banished to the Isle of Patmos, because they couldn't kill him and boil him in oil, he was banished there. And he, 
he heard behind him a voice and turned and saw the Son of God. And at the end there of that, of seeing the Lord in verse 17, he said, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not. He didn't say John, but fear not. I am the first and the last. That is, the being that hasn't a beginning or ending. I am the first and the last. I am he, in verse 18, that liveth and was dead. The Lord Jesus died in his body. But remember, he told the thief when he's on the cross, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. God was still alive. The Lord Jesus was still alive. His soul and spirit were alive. His body had died. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. God is permanent. He's provident. And he's still alive he will never die John's reaction when he saw the Lord Jesus when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead wonderful to know that God is alive God is not dead I don't care what Dawkins says or whoever else as an atheist says against God you know God is dead one day they're going to wake up and fall before him and every knee their knees will bow before God every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord in James 1.17 it reads every good gift and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning he just goes on and has for eternity All the plans and plots of mankind and nations don't alter him a bit. He is settled, strengthened and established for eternity past and eternity future. He's ever the same. He's immutable. He doesn't change. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18. This is the God that we have as our Savior. This is the one that come and loved us and died for us. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. (laughs) They're permanent. That's God and all that he has and all that he's created. But the opposite is true of the unsaved people. Nothing's permanent, and certainly there's nothing provident. They should fear God, but they don't. They do fear, but they don't fear God, it seems. In Luke 21, 25 and 26, we read, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations. No signs, I'm not talking about signs here, but this week on the 21st, that's uh, tomorrow, You can see, was it Saturn and Jupiter, and they've slowly been coming together each night, and they're going to be one. In the, you look southwest, where the moon sets, <clears throat> down there, and I think it's early in the evening, just after it gets dark, you'll see them. But there's going to be, far, that's just a little thing. 
There's going to be signs, and you read about them in the book of Revelation, in the sun and in the moon and in the stars upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring. And it says there about unsaved men, men's hearts failing them for fear. We've had all the things that we've had this year and the end of 2019. And men's hearts are fearful of what's going to happen. Some a lot more than others. Some are frantic. Some are scared to go outside. And it says in this verse here, and these verses talking about the time to come, men's hearts failing them for fear, for the looking after those things which are coming on the earth, and for the power of heaven shall be shaken. Christian, no worries. We don't have to fear what's going to happen. Because, contrary to what some try to teach, many try to teach, we're not going to go through the time of Jacob's, Israel's trouble. It's for them and Daniel's people, not for the church. You know, we don't fear and we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear what's going to come on the earth. We don't have to fear floods and famine and fire and and pandemics and whatever else. Even the power of heaven will be shaken in that day, but we don't have to fear because we won't be here to witness that. Only the unsaved. It's going to be a fearful thing even for Christians. But they will know, or people who become Christians in that time, they won't have to fear because... They know where they're going, and if they kill the body, they know where they're going to go. Their body, their soul and spirit is going to go. Hebrews 10.31 says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Matthew 24.35 Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Believe the word of God. Look it up for yourself. This is only a few in these series of six studies we've done on fearful, fearfulness or being afraid. We don't have to be. We don't have to be. Things might get shaky. Things, as the unsaved people said, might even be worse this year. You say, how could it be worse? Oh, read the book and you'll see how it's going to be worse, <clears throat> especially if the Lord comes and takes us, then it's going to really get bad. But we don't have to fear. We're safe in the Lord. We're indwelt by the Spirit, as we've seen. We can preach the word without fear. God is our protector, our propellant, our permanent saviour. He guides us by his Spirit and all the things that we've looked at. He keeps us by his promises. He knows our pain. He knows our problems. He knows our paranoia. Uh, We don't have to fear because of these things. Uh, We don't have to fear because God is wise to our predicaments. He strengthens us with his presence. He assures us of his preservation. All these things, don't fear. Trust in the Lord. He will give us the victory. Thanks be unto God, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, that giveth us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. How are you doing? Hiding under a rock like the mouse? Running out? Running out? Always looking around? Or just resting in the Lord? laying your head on the pillow and having a good sleep. I pray you do.